Welcome to another episode of Between Lewis and Lovecraft. Thank you so much for checking us out. This show is all about learning more about the authors that have inspired us and diving into the stories that they not only created, but lived as well. So join myself, Tyler Clausen, and my co-host, Hannah Ray Lambert, as we explore the worlds that live just out of reach. I dare say we are here in the studio talking about one of the most uh, celebrated and uh, wonderful uh, authors that has ever been born upon this <laughs> earth. Um, and we shall commence with drinking of wine and and <laughs> sipping scotch, and we shall talk about her books. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was not prepared for that. Yeah, that was the point. <laughs> Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Tyler Clausen, and I am without Hannah this week. So I brought in some real experts, the real Ooh. spurts. The, that was weird. I don't want to have called you that. Don't. <laughs> yes, that wasn't good. Please uh, don't call me that ever again. <laughs> I have brought I have brought in Megan Waterman from the Book Nook, who regular listeners will know that we've had her on our show before. She owns a bookstore, so she sh- should know about books. Right. That's how my brain works. <laughs> sure. Hi. Welcome, Megan. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, basically, I needed someone to do all the work because Hannah normally <laughs> does it, and I don't want to do it. Oh, so you just used me because I'm a big nerd. That's Got exactly it. it. <laughs> and then uh, the only other person in the world who might know more about Jane Austen than a nerdy bookstore owner is my wife. Nope. I don't like that I did that. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> Rebecca Clausen! Air horn, air horn, air horn! Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And now she's gone. That's all you're going to hear from her. Uh, No, this is a big achievement for me. I'm I'm getting my wife to do something publicly. Yeah, I don't want to be here. No, she does not. But I I convinced her we'd have wine and Jane Austen, and so uh, we got her on the show. Um, Say hi to everybody. I already did. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> say hi again. Hi again. <laughs> <laughs> Becca, would you say you've seen every single movie adaptation that there is? Um, Not every. There's like some 70s ones I've stayed away from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Okay. Um, and we'll get into the movie adaptations later and what that means. Um, but yeah, so uh, today we are going to be talking about Jane Austen. Uh, I wasn't lying. She is one of the most celebrated authors of um, the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she's on the same level in a lot of people's minds as William Shakespeare, uh, George Lucas. <laughs> what? <laughs> L. Ron okay. Hubbard. That's what I'm uh, <laughs> Uh, Tolkien, uh, you know, the big ones, the big, the big O's. Um, so I am basically going to sit back and say what I say at the beginning of every episode where I don't have anything prepared. So I'm probably not going to talk a lot. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Does he do that at home also? 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jane Austen. So I don't know if she's one of, well, she is one of the most celebrated authors of all time. One of the things I find most fascinating is that during her lifetime, she was getting a lot of, she did have a lot of books published, um, mm. but um, they weren't, she wasn't wildly successful and famous, but mm. being a woman published author was mm-hmm. pretty amazing. But her books have not been out of print since 1832, which is a pretty amazing achievement. Oh, and that's, so 1832 would be... Spoiler alert, the first book that she published then. No. No. Nope. So she published some books during her lifetime, and we're <clears throat> jumping ahead. But yeah. um, in the 1830s, um, well after she had passed away, someone purchased the rights to all of her books and published them as a set. Right. Because they had been out of print for a while after her sure. Her death, and um, and they have not been out of print since that um republication right when he brought them back brought them back to the world yeah um yeah so just to set the scene because this was something i don't know i'd i'd always beck and i would watch the pride and prejudice movie or sense of sensibility or persuasion emma <laughs> northanger abbey no we we watched the pride and prejudice miniseries sure we need to make that distinction yeah, big difference uh-huh. Um, and I'd always ask Becca, like, what time period is this? I just don't understand. Um, do you know the answer to that question? I do now. Okay. I always thought it was like Civil War era, but it's not. Well. It's, uh, it's Revolutionary War era. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Jane Austen was born in 1775. It, mm-hmm. And if I can remember correctly, December something. December uh, 18th. 16th. December 16th, 1775. Darn it! I was so, off by two days. But they weren't calling it the Revolutionary War era. They were. It was known as the Regency era. Right. Jainites will uh, fight you on that one. That's fine. They can <laughs> fight me as long as they listen to our show. <laughs> uh, so, Becca, is that is that weird for you? Because like, that's weird for me. Just that far back. I didn't realize it was that, that she was that old. No, that's not surprising to me. Okay. <laughs> Well, fine. <laughs> I've, I've read her book since for Does she ever talk about things that are very obvious about that time period? Well, yeah. Like everything she talks about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Jeez. So that's kind of the point, I think, of her book. She And one of the mm-hmm. reasons why women love her, she wrote really strong female characters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women read them, or men, a lot of people read them, because they love the the romance and the nostalgia of the mm-hmm. time period. Is Sure. Um, however, she was writing strong female characters that were uh, bucking the system and um, not just being quiet and getting married mm-hmm. and, right. um, at a time period when that wasn't really normal. I, I think that that was really the purpose um, of her writing. She she had this moral compass she was trying mm. to and the message she was trying to send the world. Sure. Yeah. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into her yeah. life. Uh, okay. She was born in 1775. Um, mm-hmm. And then she immediately out of the womb wrote N- Northanger Abbey. Right, exactly. Yeah, she yeah. came out with a, a, a paper, and, <laughs> paper and quill. Paper and pen, that sounds painful. Yeah, yeah. yeah that does. 
just to point all it. the way out. <laughs> and that's why she was the youngest child. And yeah. the, she had the inkwell too and everything. <laughs> Um, anything special about her parents? Well, her her dad was a clergyman. Right. Which to me always stands out because a lot of people just assume she's always making fun of Clergy. clergymen. But, right. Yeah. You know. Right. Because she does. Like a lot. Well, yeah, the ridiculousness of, of the church she would make fun of. Right. But. Like with Elton and Collins. Uh, Collins, right? Collins. Mr. Collins. Is it? I don't know. Is it? Is it Collins? I don't know. Oh, she's testing him. She is. There's a look happening. Guys. I'm going to have to go home and watch them all now. <laughs> <laughs> don't give me oh, the darn. Roman Empire up, down, thumb thing. You shall die. <laughs> so does that mean she's the classic rebel, like, pastor's kid? I mean, she is, right? I, yeah, I think. Yeah. And she's. Is she the youngest of all of the She's children? She's the youngest of seven. Yeah, so really looking for attention there. Yeah. Yeah, only but, two only two girls, too. Yeah. yeah. Yep, she and her sister, uh, Cassandra. Cassandra was uh, just like a couple years older than her, right? Yeah, three, four years, three or four okay. years, yeah. Oh, okay. Was, were they, I can't remember, are they next to each other? Um, the Francis is in between, okay. but I don't know much about him. And if I remember correctly, yeah, Francis. Yeah, about Francis. Well, Francis was her favorite brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, James, her oldest, was her least favorite, which was ironic because James was also a writer. Um, okay. And he also loved being at home, um, which is what Jane was really well known for, is like always wanting to be home. Yeah. Um, so it was just funny to me, <laughs> Becca. <laughs> so Becca, that's where you get it from. Um, the it, so it's interesting to me that her least favorite brother is someone who's so close to her in personality. Hmm. Well, I mean that you you think. What do you mean? I don't know. Just because uh, he's ju- a writer doesn't mean they, they have the same can get case. along. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Oh, Maybe was... he was writing Regency era science fiction. Oh. We don't treat him like it. Is that a thing? Is that a thing? <laughs> I haven't found any. I have a I have a Victorian era science fiction novel. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of. And it's too late to do it now because I'm sure somebody's already done Regency era sci-fi from like com- contemporary written like fan fiction. Yeah, probably or yeah, contemporary written. Yeah, like like if I was to write a sci-fi book based in the regency era i'm trying to think of one i can't she's she's doing that whole sherlock holmes thing where she's (laughs) She's like walking through all the the books (laughs) 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 all i can think of is pride and prejudice and zombies (laughs) (laughs) oh we're gonna talk about that at some point today okay i keep jumping ahead yeah all right so she was born that's as far as we've gotten she was born um where do we want to go next? Uh, she and her sister were sent away fairly young. She was only eight. They got sent to be educated by Miss Ann Colley, but they got sent home because they caught typhus. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that didn't last long. That's that's kind of nuts, though. It, like, just I mean, it happened a lot in England. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we talked about it with C.S. Lewis, where, like, kids didn't grow up around their parents uh-uh. very often and it was really weird that they would be around their parents 
I didn't put it in my notes, but I think that I remember um, that it was common for her mother, at least with the older kids, um, she was sending them away for like the first 12 months to be to a nursemaid. Oh, yeah, really? I think she, she generally nursed them for like three or four months and then sent them off. Yeah. And then they didn't that. come back. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> You've had enough of this, boob. Move along, ladies. I'm tired of you. <laughs> Becca, can we be that rich that you don't have to anymore? We just pay someone else to do we it? just pay somebody to have my kid then. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to borrow a teenager? Um, no. No. Okay. I think I like to warm up to the teenager. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they they did come back, but they got sent away again a few years later to a boarding school. But then, because their family didn't make a lot of money, they were living. He was just the he was the rector. They were living sure. on. I can't remember. Was it one of his wife's brothers that owned the estate? Oh, that's a. <coughs> I don't know. I, I didn't I hear know. anything about that. I, I can't remember exactly who. She's she's delving in deep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then at the age of four, she <laughs> sneezed. What, hey, hey, what was her first word? <laughs> <laughs> the family scrubbed that out. Oh, okay, yeah. I was burned. Universal, <laughs> universally acknowledged. <laughs> You say mama? It no. Was, it was Darcy. <laughs> Ardently. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But then the school fees were too high. So yeah. they got sent home again. Oh, man. And, and, and I think that's rough because, like I said, Jane loved being at home. She loved her dad. Like, her and her dad got along really well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I bet that was really hard getting thrown back and forth like out of the house because you need to go learn but you're we can't afford it or you can't stay here so mm-hmm. you need to go back home like that seems really rough I think she ad- seems like she addresses that a lot I wonder if that's some of the influence that she had for um, why she chose to um, focus on those topics of, of women and being forced into marriage and basically powerless yeah powerless and not having money and so many of her characters get sent away yeah yeah i was reading like you have to if you're a woman you had to get like your father or your husband to give you permission to even publish anything yep somebody even would just because you're a woman yep her father was the first one to try to get something Mm -hmm. of hers published failed yeah that didn't go well (laughs) <laughs> Again, we're going to talk about that soon. Uh, so she's a teenager now. Anything exciting happening in her teens? Um, her father was taking in to try to make a little extra money. He was taking in other young men to to train and tutor. Yeah. And so they think that that must be where she uh, gained the rest of her education was she had access to the books that he was using. And mm. so and they he, had a good he library. He had like a 500 book library. Yes. Mm. Which he tried to sell at one point and it didn't work. I'll buy it. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was thinking about like if you could reconstruct that library, how much would those books be? How much do you think that collection would be? Jane Austen's father's collection of Jane books. Jane Austen's, I can't priceless right Hmm. yeah that's like something in like a 
that should be something in like a an adventure book where like the kids have to go find the Jane Austen's father's library or something. I don't know. Now my brain's thinking about books I want to write. <laughs> well, I wonder and there's so many famous authors now that donate their have or whose families have donated through the estate, mm. the the library of so and so to universities and yeah. um or even their research material. Um okay, so uh, so I know when she's like 12 or 13, her dad gets her desk, right? Is that, is that right? I believe so. Mm. And I, I don't remember when she got the desk. I know he always got her pen and paper. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I just, I remember reading about it and there was a, a comment of, uh, she was a pretty flirtatious girl. Um, and she was like well known for being flirtatious at parties and balls and and things like that and so a lot of people think that you know there was already some talent she already showed some talent for writing Mm -hmm. and her dad might have like doubled down on that and been like okay here's a desk start writing focus on writing please you're too young to get married (laughs) and like and oh no it was a it was a journal or something that he got her and in it he wrote about how she's like He's like, you have your whole life ahead of you. Focus on writing. Um, you know, you can still be young. Don't be too quick to grow up or something like that. He must have had a little bit more of an open view of the world then, too, because mm-hmm. girls were, I mean, 12 years old. They were being married off or betrothed or mm-hmm. promised. Yeah. I mean, this is his youngest, though. You know, I, I and she's the baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm trying not to jump uh, ahead too much, but I know like she. Uh, Cassandra, her sister, mm-hmm. dealt with um, being engaged and the failure that came from that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if maybe there's some some of that that maybe her dad was just trying to keep her from having to deal with. Yeah. Um, because Cassandra's husband, uh, not husband, but fiance died of yellow fever. Um, and then um, and that was I mean, that was pretty big. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. At what point did she start writing her first book? Um, let's see. When she was eleven, she was writing short stories and mm-hmm. poems just for her family. They mm-hmm. they call them the juvenilia, is uh, what they refer to those mm-hmm. letters and scripts now. Um, There's actual collections of those. It's three volumes. Yeah. I don't have it. Have you read them? No, I never have. It reminds me a lot, and I know a completely different author, but when I picture her doing that because it says that they would put on plays together mm-hmm. and perform, yeah. I, I immediately, my mind goes, Little Women and Joe. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I legitimately thought the same stuff. Yeah. While I was listening to this biography and they would say stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, because oh. Becca made me watch that as well, but I actually really liked it. I was Which thinking, one? The newest one. The newest oh, one. Oh, good. I loved it. That, that was one. really good. <laughs> So this Sorry. episode's now about Little Women. <laughs> no, that's another episode. We'll take yeah. care of that one. Yeah. yeah, if you guys want to do that episode too, um, we'll just have a we'll have a, a backup show with just you guys. <laughs> uh, let's not go that far. Mm, yeah, Becca's ready. She's ready to be a podcaster now. Mm, mm, <laughs> I don't think that looks so sad. No. no. <laughs> All right. So what's the next big event? What do we got? I'm, I'm um, deferring to you because you actually have like paper. Yeah, oh, you have got, like she several. Has notes and yeah, 
I've got I've got a my phone and it's just got a bunch of weird ass questions. The bookstore was a little slow yesterday afternoon. So <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down some notes. <laughs> no, um, let's see. When she was fourteen, she wrote love and friendship and declared that she mm. was going to be a professional writer. What is love and friendship? Love and friendship is retitled something else later, and now I can't remember. Oh, was it was it one of her big books? It's when she started writing. Was it? Okay. I thought there was Susan. Lady- Su- Susan is renamed also. Oh, that's to- Northanger. Yeah, Abby. Northanger Abbey. And there's also yeah. like a lady something, right? Lady Susan? That like, it's like about like an evil lady. Or is it, was it? Uh, we've got the internet going now. I am cheating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if people wanted to know what the internet said, they wouldn't listen to our show. They just go on the internet. <laughs> well, we can we can just leave then. Uh, yeah. No, don't. I'll just talk about my to myself about Jane Austen. It won't go well. Uh, do your um. Oh, it was one of her juvenile stories. That's why I'm not finding it. Oh, okay. It was one oh, of the okay. books uh, in the three volumes. That's when she was like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amy, have you ever declared anything at 14? Nope. She's, she's going to have a TikTok. Me. That's Never what mind. she's... <laughs> I'm 16. You're, uh, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> okay. All right. That didn't work. Um, Let's see. I don't have anything else until 20. Do you have anything for the teen years? No, that's not really a lot. Yeah, I think her... Family didn't write a lot about those years. They right. very specifically wanted mm. to portray her in a certain way. I was I was gonna say that I read somewhere that her mom also liked to write too. Oh, did she? Yeah, I don't know if that's true or anything, but I that's think... a I read about it, and that's like the first time I've ever heard anything like that. You would imagine if she I mean, was she a had writer, to get but... it from somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> if she and her brother were both writing, they had to be inspired somewhere. Yeah. At 20, I have her meeting Tom LaFroy. Ooh. Oh, snap. Ooh. This is where things get interesting. Yeah. Tom. Tom LaFroy. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he Irish, though? Tom LaFroy. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> what? That was genius. That was some good work right there. Just channel your inner Call Me Kevin. <laughs> For fact's sake. (laughs) There we go. Um, But his family decided that they were both too poor and it wasn't practical. And so she never saw him again. Well, okay. You just skipped over the entire relationship. You went from she met him to never saw him again. Let's talk. Let's get into the dirty details. Okay. Tell me the dirty details. I was hoping you would tell me. I was just going to say that sounds a lot like Willoughby. Uh, Oh. Yes. There you go. So Willoughby is one of her characters. But I don't know in the timeline. Had she, she, did she, had she written? She hadn't written any of that and yet. I know she reworked it anyways, though. So she, I mean, Tom LaFroy was before she's published anything. Mm-hmm. But, she had um, been but that doesn't working. mean she wasn't inspired or didn't have the ideas already. Yeah, I, I thought that she had been working on Sense and Sensibility from the very beginning. I thought like it was first formatted as Since like letters. 11? Like letters. Okay, you just jumped to 20 years old. I did. I skipped out that whole middle. That's okay. You, you've got that part. I've, I, I'm, I'm going to look it up. You guys keep chatting. But I, I think that Sense and Sensibility was her first one. I thought it was like put in the format of two sisters writing to each other. Yeah, and exactly. Like and then she reworked it. it. She reformatted it. 
And so I feel like that would have been a really boring movie. So (laughs) hello, (laughs) how are things? Right, because that that's the same year that her father tries to have something published, and which was sense, which was Northanger Abbey, I think. Um, we really. uh, I have seventeen ninety eight was when she started writing Northanger Abbey. Oh, okay. The next year. <clears throat> That's interesting. I don't remember. Uh, by the way, um, so. But it was known 75. as Susan then. Mm-hmm. That's what I, yeah. she was writing, Susan. Lady Susan, a novella which is told in a series of letters. Or so Catherine. It was known as Catherine for a while, too. Yeah, I was going to say the character ends up being named Catherine. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Now and I and I could be wrong on the sense and sensibility thing, but I thought that she had written, um, she had written it pretty early, and then she revised it several times. And the reason why that was important to me, I, I can get into this later a little bit more, is because I I identify with that quite a bit. Um, so I just I kind of wanted to make Eight, sure that was true. Eighteen eleven is when I have it published, but it was probably in in she was she started writing it in seventeen ninety five. Okay, um, so she, that would make her twenty years old. Uh huh. Um, <clears throat> and she had originally named it uh, uh, Eleanor and do it back. I can't say it. Marianne. Marianne, because I want to say it's two names. <clears throat> I want to say Marianne. Way. Just think of it as two names. Marianne instead of the. Um, so that's, so that's when she started writing it, but she had been making revisions for a long time and it wasn't published until 1811. Mm-hmm. So that's 15 years, 16 years of revisions and changes and inspirations. Huh. I think that there very much is the possibility that, um, Tom LaFroy inspired Willoughby. Yeah. I also think that he could have very much inspired every other uh, <laughs> major guy character that she she wrote. <clears throat> very possible. At the very least, Darcy as well. So is that how we will picture Tom LaFroy now? Tom I, LaFroy is Darcy. I just picture him as uh, Tumnus, Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> oh, because you, oh my gosh, because of the movie. Because of the movie Becoming Jane. <laughs> You don't even know his real name. You just call him Mr. Tumnus. Yeah. That's that's his real name. Okay. That's why he got that part. (laughs) He was a shoo-in. Yeah. His father created it for him. Um, Yeah. So, like, they they went to maybe, like, three or four events together, parties or whatever, uh, balls or something, you know, and they were hanging out and, you know, they, they had good conversations about things. Um, apparently one of the biggest things is that they both were super into a conversation about a book called Tom Jones, which I don't know anything about. Oh, I've seen, I've never read the book. I've seen a movie adaption. Is it boring? I don't remember it, so maybe. Because the way that they made it sound is that nobody even at that point who was a young person enjoyed that book. So the fact that two young people really so, enjoyed it and talked about it was like they were soulmates. So oh, they were they were, they were hipsters. They were hipster book nerds that fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, what I'm trying to get to is your shop 
could be the <laughs> next place where these people meet sort of situation. I love it. Well, you know, yeah. Paul, my husband and I, we had our first date in a bookstore. Did you really? And now we own a bookstore. So a much so happier happen. ending than yeah. Jane Austen. He didn't get Tom. out to be a Willoughby. It's right. really hard because I really want to call him Tom DeLong, But that's <laughs> the old lead singer of... Um, of Blink-182, and he became an alien chaser. Uh, <laughs> so we're just recasting all over the place. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm sorry if I say Tom DeLong, everybody. It's Tom <laughs> LaFroy, uh, and he's Irish, not a crazy American guy. So I wonder if... <laughs> <laughs> I like how straight you guys just move on from my weird tangents. Yeah. So anyways... <laughs> Beck has been married to me too long, and Megan has been hanging out with Hannah too much. <laughs> So that same year, <laughs> her father attempts to get one of her works published. I and believe it's Sense and Sensibility. I believe you, because I don't remember, so I can't refute it. It's very possible. <laughs> um, uh, but it's denied by the publisher. I wonder if he went to that effort because he was feeling bad for her that she was sad about her Tom Lefroy. It could be. It seems really supportive, like back then, to mm-hmm. for dad to even bother doing something like that. Yeah. Because most of the time, you know, she's an old maid at that point. That's all parents can think about. By twenty, yeah. Uh, and I and and I could be I could be wrong because she also at this point two years later started writing Pride and Prejudice. Uh, she started writing, yeah, Pride and Prejudice. Actually, that same that same year, she start she starts writing Pride and Prejudice. She started in ninety eight is when she began writing Northanger Abbey mm. or um, Susan. Yeah, and uh, Pride and Prejudice was originally called First Impressions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I I know this from watching the miniseries so many times. <laughs> But like the the whole point of of that story is the idea that like you should give people a chance because you know just because you you get the wrong impression of someone doesn't mean that they're not your soulmate. Yeah, first impressions would have been a good title. I like Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, me too. I think they both work. So yeah, obviously I like Pride and Prejudice more because that's what we have now. Yeah. So they're still not published at this point. We're we're talking 20, 22 years old. Yeah. She's writing a lot. She's been writing since she was 12 years old. Lots of short stories, lots of poetry, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. She wrote a novella called Lady Susan, which was just... Mm-hmm. Um, people said that it was like one of the meanest old ladies in any book they've ever read sort of thing. She may have been feeling a little angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, season of life. She's She has... Yeah, she has started to feel the sting of of real drama in her life so she's putting it down in her mm-hmm. books um what's what's the next big thing to happen in her life 1802 oh yeah harris biggs uh okay do we get to jump to him am i skipping again now uh maybe my timeline is off again okay. um when did her family move to bath or as they say ball yeah it was before that yeah I didn't write down any of the families. You're just all about the romance. I am. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I think this is important, them moving to Bath, mm-hmm. is because it is not the final time, but probably the biggest time in her life where 
she has to move. She has to move away from her home. She has to leave. Um, and none of it is her choice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and it's her and her sister living at home. Both of them living at home because her sister lost her fiance. She obviously lost her love. Not that she really ever had a claim to it. Um, Jane didn't, I should say. And and so they're both at home and they're living under their parents um, rule. And both of her parents are like, you know what? We're moving to Bath now. <laughs> Which do you guys know much about Bath? I don't. Becca, is that somewhere that you want to go ever? I mean, if I'm in England, probably. I just didn't know if you were one of those people who's like, I want to do the Jane Austen tour. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> probably someone who's not a Jane Austen fan. That is a No, they a still yes want to. And... They just don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a woman's subtle yes, and you need to do that someday with her. Yes. <laughs> yeah, trust me. I get to hear all the places that we're, the we places. have to go. Unfortunately, with the coronavirus going around, we can't do anything. We're not. We're stuck in here. Yeah, we're all breathing in a <laughs> small room together. They literally have quarantined us in my studio, five feet apart. <laughs> Don't touch each other's faces. We need our what's it called? Our social. Social. Di- social distance. Yes, right? social distance. That, yeah. That's my philosophy in life, though. <laughs> social. Rebecca's like, I've been doing this anyway. What's wrong with the rest of you? <laughs> In the end, when everyone else died from the coronavirus, all the introverts were totally fine. Yep. Reading Jane Austen. And... Yep. Um, See, I thought they moved to Bath because of her her father's health. And that could have been it for sure. I mean, because he started getting pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't really live much longer once they were there, did he? A few years. It was in 05, yeah. Yeah, mm. so four years after they moved. And there's there's a lot of reasons why Bath is uh, an old um, Roman city from when they were taking over and they found all these hot springs. And so Mm -hmm. it literally is like where they would have public baths. So the whole town got named after this. You got to go there and take the waters. Take the waters (laughs) and get sick together. (laughs) The cure for the coronavirus is in Bath. Um, But yeah, so they went there. Apparently, though... Like, it, it had been a really big, hip, and, like, jiving place back in the day, even, <laughs> even like, before Jane Austen's day. And then in Jane Austen's day, it kind of became, like, the old people's hip and jiving place. I'm trying to picture Jane Austen jiving. Yeah. <laughs> She's doing the, the, the smash potato dance. I don't know. I, d- I don't want to picture anyone jiving. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but she, a lot of people think that she went, or when they went there, that it was actually her parents trying to get her married off because there's there was supposed to be some good husband making in Bath. Some eligible bachelors. Mm. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. I mean, I guess but it ha- never know. And it and it she comes up in her writing quite a bit, right? Because Becca doesn't persuasion take place in Bath. They go they go there, you know. At some point they move there. So it's about her. Persuasion is just a biography about Jane Austen. <laughs> what? You said that they moved to Bath in persuasion. I think they do. Oh, okay. But Isn't Bath where um, Northanger Abbey takes place too? 
Why are you just looking at me? Because it's too much pressure and it makes me question my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have a lot more knowledge I than I do. I don't so. want to be like, yes. And then everybody listening to this is like, wow, what an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> but we don't care. About do you even Jane Austen, bro? <laughs> okay. I had to look it up because I couldn't remember yeah. how it went, which is really sad. But uh, your comment about Bath and looking, trying to find her a husband... That's how she started. Uh, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a man in possession of a fortune must be in want of a wife. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand what you just said. Oh. You said so many big words. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> they took her there to find a man of great fortune because he must be looking for a wife. Ah, I see. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, right. if a guy's rich, he must want a wife. Yep. Uh, so then after they're in Bath, and for some reason she can't land a man, uh, and it's been about a year, that's when I think... Uh, so in 02... Yeah. Um, Her- Finally, yes, Harris Biggs with her. <laughs> Biggs with her. <laughs> he proposes... Um, but Hello, she's known Jane. him since childhood. He's a childhood family friend. He wasn't somebody new from Bath. Right. None of them were biting, I guess. Yeah, so he's, he throws her a pity proposal. And he's wealthy. Yeah. And she does accept it at first. Hello, Jane. I have lots of money, and I'm not in bread like some of these other fools. Shall you marry me? <laughs> Was there a lot of inbreeding happening? <laughs> It's that's England. A, that's another podcast. They're marrying their cousins like all the time. Okay, this is true. I yeah, mean, I guess technically that is inbreeding. So we live in a small town, like here. Yes, Camby's a small town. Mm-hmm. Beck and I started dating, and legitimately, we did some research to make sure we were not related. <laughs> I didn't grow up here. Yeah, that, that's concerning. <laughs> and I and have questions after the podcast. by the time. <laughs> By the time we did get married, we were more related than when we weren't, than when we started dating. Okay, well, I have questions now. Yeah. So, like, we have we started dating in high school, uh-huh. and then after high school, my cousin and her cousin got married. Uh-huh. So then, technically, we're, like, like, second cousins or something weird like that. So, like, but not by blood. Not by blood. And it's her step cousin, <laughs> so it's yeah, it's, it's step not even, second. Not even a blood cousin. Yeah. It's his blood cousin and my not blood cousin. <laughs> blood cousins blood. coming to theaters this summer <laughs> <laughs> by Jane Austen, the book you never realized she wrote. <laughs> oh, I wonder if she's like Louisa May Alcott. Are there books, books? out there that? We don't know she wrote like uh, along uh, Louisa May Alcott's Long Fatal Love Chase. That I've w- never heard of any of this. Mm-hmm. We we need to do a um. What were we just talking about? Louisa May Alcott. Uh, Why can't I? We little women. Little, little women. women. We were just go. talking about <laughs> yeah. it, and it's out of my brain. So you guys are going to start More your fun. own podcast. No, no. The, the classic the, literary podcast. I'll just go to the book nook and talk to her. The about book nook it. podcast. Huh. Okay, so what's next? <laughs> they all, they both got excited for a second and had to move on. That's another conversation. Like Jane Austen did from Big's 
Briggs Weather. Ah, uh, good. Uh, <laughs> yes, because the very next day after her acceptance, she withdraws her acceptance. Do you know Just why? Kidding. I don't. Becca, do you know why? Any ideas? I have Probably ideas. in some burned letters. <laughs> Ooh, you're not you're not harboring some bad ill will towards Cassandra at all or whatever her name is. Come on, we just want to know everything. We about just her. need to know what she ate for lunch <laughs> on December sixteenth. Wait, that's her birthday. <laughs> she probably had some milk. <laughs> I'll take one milk, please. Uh, okay, so so what are your ideas? Why'd she why one why'd she say yes? Because she was supposed to. But but That's this is Jane Mother freaking Austin. It doesn't mean that strong, yeah. powerful women don't feel influenced by society and what they're supposed to do yeah, and, and she make probably mistakes. Felt obligations to help her family out. Yeah. Hmm. All the pressures. If she married a wealthy man, she could take care of her parents. She could mm-hmm. take care of her sister. It would solve all their problems. She writes about this in her novels. Like every other heroine has to deal with this in her books. Right. And so she, so he's all like, I'm going to solve everything for you. Yep. All you have to do is give up your personal freedom. Yep. And, and be with me. Yeah. And she Your probably... childhood best friend who you never knew was there until I took off my glasses and then I became the pretty girl. <laughs> she probably realized she would have to run a house and wouldn't be mm. so easy to write anymore. Oh, you think it's, so I mean, you think this is why she changed in, her mind probably... is because she, she wanted to keep writing. Well, I think so. And I mean, she, I don't know if that's the ultimate decision, but I, that had to be part of it. Yeah. I know she was really close with her sister. Mm. Cassandra, right? Mm-hmm. That's her name. Mm-hmm. Her and Cassandra were, like, basically not getting weird blood cousins. But she and her <laughs> sister were, were like, they were like an old couple. Like, they were best friends. They slept in the same room for 20-some-odd years. Like, yeah. But that, that was really that's, that's that's normal. Called, Sisters, right? Yeah. It's weird. Um, <laughs> it's not weird. Well, you didn't you didn't sleep in the same bed as your brothers? Not for twenty something years. <laughs> but no, that was. It's not really strange for sisters to sleep in the same bed, mm. and it really wasn't strange at that time yeah. period for people to share to share a bed or even everybody to sleep all in the same room. Mm-hmm. So. I thought you were going to go somewhere else. <laughs> To share a husband and no, underwear. That would have been. <laughs> this is never mind. Nope. Um, so I, so it could be, it could be part of that because she'd have to leave her sister behind if she got married. Yeah, I'm right? sure there's lots of factors. Yeah, I think that she, I like to think she was a true romantic, and she just realized I don't love him. I don't want to. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe he said something super racist that night after they got (laughs) engaged. And then she's like, oh, damn. Yeah, racism was something they were really concerned about back then. It was a big topic of conversation at that time period. What's the movie that that we watched? Amazing Grace? Doesn't that take place around the same time? I don't know this movie. Uh, Yeah, it's about, oh, what's his name? Gosh, dang it. The guy that... You know, they got the whole bill in... Into England to stop slavery. Okay, I can't remember his name though. Yeah. I don't know his name. I'd never know. But he, he wrote. No, he did not write Amazing Grace. His oh. his pastor wrote Amazing Grace. Oh, okay. Because he he helps like sail slave ships. Oh, the 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 pastor did. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 
It's so. a it's a good movie. It really is. Uh, it's a it's a really good piece of history. It's slightly Christian in message, but not like it's not a Christian Boom movie. In your face. It's not like God's not dead. Um, but yeah, no, I think that slavery was kind of a, a big deal at, at yeah, that time. I just time, don't so. think people cared as much. <laughs> also, it was a joke. 100% yeah. I don't think that he said something racist. <laughs> I don't need the Biggs Weather whatever family coming after me little <laughs> podcast kid because I defamed his name. <laughs> yes. Many generations later, they that's what they do. They he got married. Podcasts. He got married like two years later and had like 10 kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She dodged a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think Jane Austen wanted to be a kid cannon? <laughs> wow. All right. So. Uh, real quick, we're going to take a quick, quick break, and then I think we'll start getting into the public, the, the published works. Yes. Unless you got what, any that's other what I have juicy tidbits. Great. Okay. So let's let's take a quick commercial break where we're going to talk about a really cool podcast. I'm so glad to be taking a break to tell you guys about a new podcast that I have literally listened to all 20 episodes of in one week. It's called The Monster Hour. And oh my God, it is so good. It is a real play um podcast where they play a game called monster of the week and you know what i'm gonna let them talk about it in a second i just really wanted you guys to know that this is not just a cross promotion thing i am a huge 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 fan of their show so if you're looking for something super interesting and entertaining to check out i highly recommend you check out the monster hour hello everyone and welcome to monster hour an actual play podcast about going to school arguing with your parents and ruining your favorite outfit while hunting horrible monsters Narrative-driven and crisply edited, painfully relatable characters. Monster Hour follows unlikely heroes JR. Super suspicious. That's sort of my deal. Constance. I may be a bit of a know-it-all, but I might actually know it all. And Alvin. I'm monstrous. As they unravel the sinister mysteries of a strange Colorado town. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, Buffy, or the Adventure Zone Amnesty, you'll love Monster Hour. Tune in for new episodes every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. So, Jane Austen is, for another time, removed from her house and bath, sent off to a cottage out in the middle of nowhere after her father dies. She's got a rough life. <laughs> yeah. So, her, let's see, didn't, isn't she living on, she and her sister and her mother the, are living on her brother's property? I believe he had, yeah, he had with, a home. Yeah, with he, 50 pounds a year. 50 pounds a year. Didn't he get them like this cottage? Mm-hmm. She basic, yeah. They basically had a choice. The cottage out in the country or an apartment in the city. Oh, uh, country. Duh. Yes. Yes, please. Yeah. They had a modest six bedroom cottage <laughs> <laughs> out in the English country. Man. Middle Life class was hard. rough then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Throughout this period of moving from her home in Steventon, which is her original home, Mm -hmm. um, to Bath, to the, I want to call it the Charleston Chew Cottage, but I know that's not right. (laughs) We'll just go with that. (laughs) It's some, 
uh, I, I cannot remember the name of it, but it's where she felt it most home. In this process, she has been writing several books. Uh, we've talked a, a little bit about her love life, a little bit, uh, a little bit about her growing up. Uh, she did lose her dad in 1805, which was a big deal. Uh, again, I love her relationship with her dad. Mm-hmm. Tell me, the both of you, and Becca, this is where you're going to really shine. Tell me about the books she wrote, because I have not read any of them. Well, I did make you read a little bit of Pride and Prejudice. I did read it out loud to you, yes. I read the first, like, four chapters. Oh, that's so romantic. Yeah, it was. She had me stop because I kept doing accents and stuff. No, he stopped because he didn't want to do it anymore. But this is his podcast, so he has to look good. (laughs) Hey, I'm not going to whitewash history like the Austins did. But more on that later. For now, let's talk about... (laughs) All right. Let's talk about... You skipped over something, though, right before her father died. I skipped over something. You did. You're doing a a backflash tangent to me? I am. (gasps) You missed when the, the... one of the best stories in 1803 her brother submits um, Susan which becomes Northanger Abbey uh-huh. he submits it to a publisher who buys it for 10 pounds and then never publishes it oh that's right they hold on to it for like 6 years mm-hmm. she goes back in 1809 and starts writing angry letters under a pseudonym uh, do you guys know this part? So, I, I don't remember the exact name, but I know what the pseudonym so makes. She yeah. writes this angry letter to the publisher, Benjamin <laughs> Crosby, under the pseudonym Mrs. Ashley Dennis. That's what Which it is. is M-A-D, because yeah. she's mad. <laughs> and she and in it, she writes it so perfectly where she's like, she's like, look, you guys have had my, my book for six years. You bought it for 10 bucks. Or ten, ten pounds. <laughs> ten <Yeah>. bucks. <laughs> what? Uh, what is it the equivalent of nowadays? Nowadays, oh, I don't then. know. I don't know. You should look up the equivalents. Um, wow. And the they, you she's pointing out like you guys bought it. You said you were going to publish it actually early, mm-hmm. and it's been six years. Maybe you guys just lost it. I'm more than willing to send you a new manuscript. All you have to do is is admit that you lost it, or just tell me you don't want it. Yep. Right? And they're. He and, writes her back. Yeah. Well, and as at the end, she's like, uh, so I write to you and I am, you know, or something. And it's M-A-D. <laughs> I am mad. And like, so like she's super nice in it. And she's mm-hmm. like very cordial, everything you need to be. But but then the way that she writes it, they, it's very obvious that she is not happy. <laughs> she's being a little passive aggressive. Yeah. Mm. Well, what she needed to be at that time period. So, but he writes her back and he says, there's no set deadline. I don't. I can publish it whenever I want to, but if you want to buy it back, so either you keep (laughs) waiting or you can buy it back from me, but she doesn't have any money because she didn't marry the wealthy Mr. Biggs with her. Um, So she has to drop it. Yeah, that sucks. Basically, they, they held her book for hostage. Yep. Like, hey, give us some money or else it's never, ever going to get anything. Yep. And this stupid pop filter is the bane of my existence. Poor Susan. She's being held for ransom. (laughs) Yeah, but she will emerge. Wow, that sounds way darker than it really was. Did you find out what the the, um, exchange is? You don't care. You asked the question. I was hoping somebody would know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, I do just randomly know what the exchange rate of Regency-era 
pounds are to American 2020. Now you know it's Regency era, though. I do. I can say it better. Let's talk about the books. Becca, what's your favorite book that she wrote? Obviously, I know. It's an obvious one. Don't look at me like I'm a dick. I know what your favorite is. My favorite (laughs) is the obvious choice, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Why do you like Pride and Prejudice so much? Pride and Prejudice being the second book that she published. Yes. The first was Sense and Sensibility. Yeah, in 1811 she published a Sense and Sensibility. And you know what I really love about it is they were published or they were written by a, a lady. lady. A lady. A lady. <laughs> and it's so like twisting the dagger of like this is a good book and guess what? It was written by a lady. A lady. You dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, she wrote Sense and Sensibility, published it. She wrote Pride and Prejudice, which was First Impressions. Becca, what do you love about Pride and Prejudice? I That first sentence, that just really gets you. That's or a it good, gets me. It's a good opening sentence. Yeah. I don't. There's something, like, so witty about it. I don't well, know what it is. Will you read it to us? I mean, I guess I don't have it in front of me. There's a book right there, I and there's like there's a cat version I, of the book right there. <laughs> I have it memorized, but I'll, oh, yeah, I'll screw it up oh. if I just try and read it yeah. off the top of my head. It, here, let's get the book. We're we're getting the it, giant tome that is all nine books, Ooh. or ten, or the I think, whole. I think it's a hundred. The whole Jane Austen cinematic universe. <laughs> Could you, at the end of Emma, the new one that just came out, Mm -hmm. what if there was a post-credit scene where Emma's just at a bar or something, and then Lizzie, uh, Lizzie Baronet, Barden, uh, yep, okay, uh, good job, uh, Mrs. Bennett, uh, Lizzie Bennett. (laughs) <laughs> Mrs. Baronet? I don't think Lizzie Bennett was She's in. barren at all. Oh, I see. Uh, she she just comes in. She's like, so, Emma, I heard you've got a problem. I can solve it. <laughs> I see some fan fiction in his future. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure it's already written out there somewhere, something like that. The, the, the Jane Austen cinematic universe? Yeah, Marvel, Jane oh, Austen. Oh, man, that'd be so good, though. Jane Austen superhero. No, it doesn't even have to be superhero stuff. It just uh, uh, do all the movies, just redo all the movies. They did a great job with the new Emma movie. Mm-hmm. Redo that with all of her movies and make them connected. Have have the Bennets just pass through the Emma universe and like, and you just see them at a ball or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, you, they yeah. don't even have to really. Change, just just, cameo, just connect cameo them. appearances yeah. of uh, Disney's previous. doing it. Obviously, uh, superheroes cool are doing it. Are doing it. <laughs> they they try to do it with monsters. Is this when we sing the cool kids? Wish what? that I could be <laughs> <a> cool kids. <laughs> okay, so what's the first sentence that just, captures, that just captures that just captures everybody. Yeah, yes. it's going to blow your mind. Yes, yeah. I'm excited. I've probably never heard this before. <laughs> it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. 
Yeah. And I don't know what it is about that, but is I, it is it because it sets up the story so well, or it invokes an emotion in you? It's I don't know. It just kind of sets up the whole movie. Art movie. Let's <laughs> <laughs> edit that out. I mean, book. <laughs> Insert book. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's hard to put my finger on it. Right. I just love it. There's. Do I, you I will love always it? remember just reading that and that first chapter. I was hooked. Yeah. Do you love it enough to get it tattooed on you? He's always going on about tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the line that I would have tattooed if I chose a Jane Austen line. Although I think one of the things I love about that line is that the the angle that she came at it from, instead of uh, going a woman must be mm. in search of a wealthy man to marry, that it's um, that a wealthy man is searching for a wife. Right. That the woman is the prize. Yes. Yeah. Which was a new di- or a little bit different concept. Yeah, I think it's I think it's super cool. I think it kind of like dips into just her um, Lizzie Bennett's her mother's mindset too. Like he's <laughs> oh, rich. Oh yeah. He obviously needs a wife, and it's going to be one of my Bingley's daughters. here. Yeah. We gotta get it. We gotta bag this dude because he obviously wants you. Yeah, that's a good point. What's What's Megan's favorite line? <laughs> On quotes and lines. Well, with Mr. Darcy, when he tells her that I must, and see, and I'll screw it up, but <laughs> I must tell you how much I ardently love and admire you. Oh, that's a good one. So yeah, but that's the time when he's telling her badly, right? But that, but, but he's imperfect. I don't, <laughs> I don't like perfect characters in books or in yeah. life. Like we are imperfect people. Like he. He totally sticks his foot in his mouth and screws up most of the time. And sure. he couldn't be more awkward. Yeah. And I love that about him. Um, Is that he comes off cool, but he's not. Yeah, he's no. not a cool guy. Nope. Nope. I think, he, that's, I think that's why he is so endearing. And I think that's why Pride and Prejudice is endearing as well, because you have flawed characters that mm-hmm. you root for. It's not like nowadays where you have really flawed characters that you root for because you have to. Because they're the main characters. Like uh, Breaking Bad, to me, is is one I watched. And it's like, these characters are super flawed. And the only reason why people like them is because they are the main characters. Yeah. Right? If they weren't the main characters, we wouldn't care about them, really. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and we all have somebody that we can in our lives that we can relate to. I always tell my husband that he's my Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's quiet and yeah. some people think he's broody but he's not he's just quiet and a little bit shy and awkward but underneath he's underneath his tough exterior <laughs> um and so like i there are several lines that i i have memorized after watching so many movies oh yeah you should and do reading your, um, so many books right not yeah just totally movies. you should yeah. do your um one voice my one voice? That you always do with Pride and Prejudice. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. What is this voice? <laughs> I do so many voices, babe. What's the one line you always say? From Pride and Prejudice? Yeah, from the, from the movie. Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. I don't know. Just tell me the line. Maybe I'll remember. It starts with what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, I'm going to... Uh, 
end the this first episode here. Um, this was such a fun conversation. I didn't want to cut it short, and we ran for about two hours. So I'm cutting it in half. The next episode will come out on Thursday. Um, and so what you're going to hear just after this is me doing all of my outro stuff. Uh, but and then it'll happen again on Thursday, so I'm just copying and pasting. But enjoy. Uh, hope you guys liked the episode.